Welcome to our Wednesday Bible study. Since we just finished the book of 1 John, it's time to move on to a different book in the Bible. So we're going to take a look at Exodus. In this video, we're going to see Exodus chapter 1. Now, you, you might realize that Exodus, it's a pretty long book. You know, we've got 40 chapters that we're going to be looking at. And at least for these first few chapters, we are going to look at it kind of like a chapter every time. Whenever we get toward the end, there's a little bit of repeat material. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how I might divide that up. So we might take a, a few chapters or something like that uh, in, in one of these videos. So just kind of be aware of that as we go throughout the book. It's not going to necessarily just be one chapter every single week. But let's just take a look at it as the material uh, needs us to, to take a look and dive into some of these things that, uh, that we see here. You might also notice that this video is going to be a little bit shorter than they usually are for the Wednesday videos. There's a reason for that. I'm planning that what you will do after watching this video is taking a look at this video that the Bible Project put out. Um, you can do it by looking at YouTube. You can also find this video uh, on the website that's, that's listed down there, BibleProject.com, and you can kind of search there. Also at that website, um, whenever you go, you can download uh, this kind of just on a sheet of paper. Um, you could print it off and, and it gives you the overview of what each one of the different books of the Bible is about. This one is just on the book of Exodus. And these I find to be very useful that will be able to walk you through the entire book and keep these things straight in your own mind. I hope that you find them useful uh, as well. But the Bible Project videos, you can also look those up on YouTube and you can find a, a link in the description here. Just look at the words down below in this video and I will include a, a link there. You can just click on that and it will take you to where you can watch that as well. So that's why this video is going to be a little bit shorter because I'm hoping that you will watch those videos. They've actually broken up the book of Exodus into uh, two different parts. So it'll just be kind of the, the first half of the book. And I guess you can kind of see on the screen sort of how they divide that up. Um, but yes, definitely check that out and and it will help us to get an overview about what the book of Exodus is talking about. Uh, but with that, now let's dive into chapter 1 and let's see what we can learn uh, from Exodus 1. Exodus chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. These are the names of the sons of Israel who entered Egypt. Each man with his household entered with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, all the people who were directly descended from Jacob numbered 70. But Joseph was already in Egypt, and in time Joseph and his brothers and all that generation died. The Israelites, however, were fruitful, increased greatly, multiplied, and became extremely strong, so that the land was filled with them. Okay, so let's, let's take a look at what already uh, is happening here. You might notice, if you're familiar with how the book of Genesis ends, is we don't exactly just pick up exactly where the book of Exodus left off. Because if you were to do that, then you already kind of are, are a few years down in Egypt. And actually, Joseph himself had already passed away at the end of the book of Genesis. But we're kind of backing up into a little bit more uh, about setting this, this foundation of who exactly this was. And, and this, this number about these 70 people from verse 5, the 70 people who went into uh, to Egypt. Uh, that is kind of important. And also, you probably noticed that it's a very polite way of saying it here that at the end of verse 5 it says, but Joseph was already in Egypt. Do you remember why Joseph was already in Egypt? I mean, this is the Joseph who got betrayed by his brothers, and then he really got sold into 
to slavery and he worked him it worked his way up and he was i mean pretty much kind of second in command so to speak of all uh, egypt during his day i mean joseph really came from he was that whole rags to riches uh type of story most certainly and all of that was because god was blessing him and god was providing a way was uh, so that all of uh, the sons of jacob or the sons of israel would be able to come into the land of egypt and they did uh, that's exactly what happened and i do want us to take notice of this that uh, we're talking about you know exodus whenever it picks up it's not just immediately after genesis uh, we see that about 400 or so years has passed during these these times so i mean that's a long gap in which these events are going to pick up and we're going to see these things but yet what we do find even from chapter one of exodus is that god is faithful to what he has said and we also see that the Israelites, at least, even though whenever we find them, uh, they're enslaved. We'll notice that in a moment. Uh, but whenever we find them, we see in verse 7, the Israelites, however, were fruitful, increased greatly, multiplied, and became extremely strong so that the land was filled with them. Do you notice those words? Have you ever heard the words, be fruitful and multiply? You know, those are the words that Adam and Eve were uh, told all the way from the beginning. And those words were also repeated to Noah and his family. And if you remember, um, a lot of that was was talked about to Abraham, that his descendants were going to be numerous, just like the stars were just like the sand. And the, so the land is filled with them. So what we see from verse seven and the first few verses of Exodus one is that God is still faithful to his promises. Yes, it looks bad because they're going through a difficult time period, but God is still faithful. God is still in control. Let's keep reading. Exodus 1, verses 8 through 10. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power over Egypt. He said to his people, look at the Israelite people, more numerous and stronger than we are. Come, let's deal wisely with them. Otherwise, they will continue to multiply, and if a war breaks out, they will ally themselves with our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. Okay, so in these few verses, I kind of want us to, to walk through these a little bit slower because there's a lot of information that's coming our way. For starters here, in verse 8, we see that a new king who did not know Joseph, he came to power over Egypt. Now, there's a few interesting things about the language that's used here in the book of Exodus. Uh, one of them, and this has caused a lot of questions among Christians, uh, and maybe it's something that you care a lot about, and maybe it's something that it doesn't really matter all that much to you, but but there's a few interesting things here. One of them is this. In verse 8, we find out that, that he's called a new king, so it's a new king, and that's interesting to me because this king, wouldn't that be Pharaoh? So why does, why does he not call him Pharaoh? But uh, oftentimes, uh, the book of Exodus refers to the king as the king. So I might say Pharaoh, I might say the king, I might go back and forth a little bit, but we see both of them being used. But a lot of times he's just referred to as uh, this king. We also see um, that it just says, you know, then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power. Okay, so you might think, well, that's the next king. You know, that's the next Pharaoh right after Joseph. It wasn't, okay? Whenever you start looking at this and, and kind of mapping it out, and if you want more information about this, I, I can give you more. But for right now, uh, I'm just letting you know that we're talking about hundreds of years, about 400 years whenever this new king uh, came to power here. And there's also another question that this has, has come. Did you realize that we're not told the name of this king? You know, people want to know, well, who is this Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph? And who is this Pharaoh 
um, of the book of Exodus. You know, who are we reading about here? And there's a, a lot, lot of information that we could look at and all of that. But what I'm going to do is I'm not going to focus as much on that. I might mention a, a Pharaoh here or there or something like that. But for the most part, I'm not going to focus a lot on it because the book of Exodus doesn't focus a lot on it. So if God didn't see fit that we know the name of the Pharaoh, then I don't know that it's really worth a whole lot of our time to really discuss exactly which Pharaoh it is. Now, I say all that, and that's what I'm talking about for this Bible study. But if you know me, you realize it's very interesting to me. Well, who was that Pharaoh? And, you know, what can we learn about that? So, you know, if you're thinking, how, how can you sit there and how can you say that, you know, we're not going to dive into that? We're not going to dive into that in this study. In this study, I want us to deal mainly with what the text says and what we can learn about uh, what's going on here. And for starters, we see this new king, this new Pharaoh. He comes up to power and he doesn't know his history. He doesn't know what's gone on before him and he doesn't respect his history. Now, it's not like, I would say this, it's not as if he really doesn't know it at all. I mean, he probably does know some of it, but it's that he chooses not to listen to it and he chooses to, to not learn. From what's going on. He doesn't learn about these Israelite people, and he, he doesn't obviously appreciate what they have done in times past, because really Joseph helped out Egypt a lot and allowed them to get through that time of famine, if you remember. But this new king, he doesn't care about that. All he cares about is he's looking at these numbers, and he's realizing he's getting nervous, because he's seeing their numbers are increasing so much, they could actually rise up against us that might not go so well at all. So what does he do? Well, throughout the rest of this chapter and in the upcoming chapters, we're going to see that this Pharaoh, this king, he repeatedly tries to do things to just push down, to oppress all of the Israelites. Let's keep reading and you'll see what I mean. Now let's look at verses 11 through 14. So they put foremen over the Israelites to oppress them with hard labor. As a result, they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread. As a result, the Egyptians loathed the Israelites, and they made the Israelites serve rigorously. They made their lives bitter by hard service with mortar and bricks and by all kinds of service in the fields. Every kind of service the Israelites were required to give was rigorous. Okay, so what do we see here that, that this Pharaoh is already trying to do to oppress them? Well, he puts these foremen over them in verse 11. That's how this translation translates that word. Uh, you might be more so familiar with the term taskmaster or maybe slave masters or slave drivers. There's, there's different ways that that's translated in the, in, among the different translations. But I will tell you this, no matter how you exactly translate this phrase, it doesn't work out well for the people. Um, it might interest you that in the Hebrew, it actually says that they were princes of work. Okay, so whatever that means, it's not good for the Israelites. I can tell you that. And you look at this description and you see that none of this was good for the Israelites because Egypt was just scared. They were afraid and they were acting out in that fear. We find out in verse 14 uh, that they made their lives bitter. So that, that term about bitter, I'll try to remember to, to reference this whenever we get there. But if you notice about the Passover festival, which this is something we might overlook, but it's always stood out to me because it's been a little weird. Part of what the Passover festival included was bitter herbs. And I'm like, why do they keep talking about these bitter herbs? 
it has to do with this theme that we see running throughout the book of Exodus. And that is about these lives being made bitter. The, the Passover was to remind Israel of their time in Egypt and how God delivered them. I mean, we know that's coming up, so I can go ahead and kind of reference that there. But, you know, they don't exactly know that that's going to happen yet. What they see is their lives are bitter. The service that they are called to, to give, it's hard. Everything is difficult. And it seems that everything is going contrary to what they want it to go. Nothing is going good for them. But yet, God is still there. God still knows what's going on, and he knows what they need. And if we keep reading, we start to see that, that God, we, we start to read a little bit more about God is revealed to us in the rest of this chapter. So let's look at that. Verses 15 through 17. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Puah, when you assist the Hebrew women in childbirth, observe at the delivery. If it is a son, kill him. But if it is a daughter, she may live. But the midwives feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So now we see another way that the king of Egypt is trying to oppress and trying to just really crush Israel. The first thing that he did was he made their lives miserable. He made it bitter. The second thing here that we see is he just decides that, okay, well, he's going to attack even, I mean, the, the babies. I mean, that is... How low can you get that this is what you're going to do? You're going to control the population um, against their will by ordering that the sons be put to death. I mean, this is this is horrible. This is this king of Egypt. He's not a good guy. He is scared and he is acting out uh, in that fear. And it really is ridiculous and it really is sad that he would go to such lengths. But yet the midwives, they recognize that this isn't right. This isn't what should happen. Um, you know, and, and as we look at this, there's there's a few interesting things about these uh, these midwives. Um, it, it's interesting to me that we actually get their names. You know, that, that's amazing. And it, it shows us that, you know, these are real women, that they're important enough. We need to know their names and we need to know the, the part that they played in this. What part they played in verse 17 is they feared God. They didn't do what the king of Egypt told them. See, sometimes it, it is okay to go against what you're ordered to do. If what you're ordered to do goes against what God has already told you to do. Or in this case, if you know that killing people isn't right, but you're ordered to kill people, like in this sense, um, yeah, it's not right. Don't do it. These, uh, these uh, Hebrew midwives, they recognized that. And they weren't going to just obey the king in this instance. They were going to go against what the king said, and they were going to, to fear God, and they were going to trust God. And that's exactly what they did. By the way, in the next few chapters also, we will continue to see how, how women are the ones who are central to this story, uh, to, to bring about this deliverance. I mean, yes, we know from Exodus that Moses, he's kind of the key figure, and he's going to come onto the scene in a little bit. But what we see already is there are a few women, and these are the, the two of those women that we're introduced to. There's a few women along the way who had to rise up and act when they did so that that way Moses would be born and deliverance could happen. But, you know, God used these people, these women, in mighty ways. And we'll keep pointing these women out as they go. So just notice these are the first two. 
these two midwives. They feared God and they obeyed God. Well, as you could imagine, this kind of upset the king of Egypt. Let's look at his response. Verses 18 through 22 now. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for the Hebrew women are, are vigorous. They give birth before the midwife gets to them. So God treated the midwives well, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he made households for them. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, all sons that are born, you must throw into the river, but all daughters you must let live. Now we see, I mean, this, this Pharaoh, he is really against the people of God. And he is really making some decisions that are not good. And that it's, it's not going to go well for him in the future. But he just doesn't know just how bad he really is treating these people. I mean, these are God's people and he is just treating them absolutely horribly. Well, he, he asked them this question. Why are they not obeying what, uh, what he told them to? These orders that he commanded them to do. Why are they not obeying? Well, the midwives, they give an explanation and they say about these Hebrew women. Uh, and, you know, this... This response has been questioned. It's like, okay, so were they lying here or were they telling the truth? Well, here's the thing whenever it comes down to this. They were ordered to do something that goes against what God said. So they gave some type of explanation that was able to, to satisfy Pharaoh. Now, I mean, you know, if, if all that they were doing was just lying, it seemed strange that he would just respond with, oh, okay. You know, and just believe it. it. It just doesn't seem right unless, you know, their story was believable enough that he thought, OK, you know, that that could be how it works. So, you know, that 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 that's OK. If he's trying to control this Israelite population, he's going to search these things out. and He's going to know. So however they set this up and however they allowed this explanation to work, apparently this explanation was good enough that Pharaoh believed it. And he was he was okay with that, and he kind of you know gave up, and he he wasn't really trying anything with these these women. He just realized, okay, this isn't going to be how I can how I can do anything. But notice what God did for them in verse twenty. He treated these midwives well. He recognized how they acted out in this faith, in this fear of the Lord, as verse twenty one says. Because of that, they were given these households. They were blessed with families because they blessed other people with families. And they followed what God said, not what Pharaoh said, not what the king said. Well, now we see the Pharaoh's had enough. In verse 22, he's gone to another extreme. This time what he's doing is he is now commanding all his people. Okay. At first, he, he did, he made them work really hard. Strong oppression. He said over those princes of work, if you remember, that's the first thing that he did. Second thing that he did, he attacked. He went after the, the midwives and commanded them, get rid of all the baby boys that are born. Well, that didn't work either. So now what he's doing is he's commanding all of his people. And I don't know how well that would have even worked, but he commanded all of his people that they are to throw all of the sons that are born uh, of the, the Hebrews. They're to throw them into the river. All the daughters, they can live. But the, the boys, they cannot. This Pharaoh 
is doing some extreme things. He has this extreme hatred, but he doesn't know where this story is going to be leading. You, we probably do. I mean, you know, you, you probably already know where this story is leading. And you find out that this Pharaoh is going to have to come to realize who God is and how powerful he is and how wrong this king is for this abuse of the power that, that he that he had at this time. You cannot treat people like this. And God pays attention to this, especially since these are his children. I mean, these are the, the children of God. God is paying special attention. He knows what's going on in their lives. He's going to rescue them. He's going to deliver them. And we're going to see in the next chapter a little bit more of this story about how God does that. So hopefully you'll join in next week and we'll take a look at that together for Exodus chapter 2.